Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99%. I am here with Marilyn. Hey, guys. And we have a special guest with us today. We have Jeff Pfeiffer. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Doing well. Awesome. Hanging out in North Florida. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it's probably uh, about the same temperature and humidity as it is here today. What are you guys dealing with? Um, it's actually backed off a little this week, which is good, but, uh, yeah, pretty much hundred percent humidity, but, uh, yeah, it actually feels cooler, uh, than, a, than a, uh, Arizona right now, I think. Uh, nice. I'm not jealous of humidity, but the cooler air sounds pretty good. Um, so I guess before we even get into the topic of the day, I kind of want to roll into it, um, leave the listeners guessing, hopefully they haven't read the title yet. And I want to talk about you for a bit and just kind of give us a rundown of your athletic background. I guess for starters, can I ask how old you are? Uh, I'm uh, racing age 45 this year. So I turned turn 45 in November. Awesome. There we go. And how long have you been racing triathlon? Uh, so I started in my very first triathlon in uh, 2006. Um, and I've raced pretty consistently every year since. So um I guess coming up on 16, 17 seasons now, something like that. Awesome. And then, so even before that, did you, did you play any sports in high school? Um, anything like kind of between that time frame and getting into triathlon? Yeah. So, um, growing up, uh, I mostly just did some surfing, some skateboarding. Um, I did play football in middle school. I played a little, uh, football and soccer in high school. Um, but was not, uh, an exceptionally talented, you know, uh, athlete in those sports. Uh, so went on to college and uh, just played intramural stuff with my, uh, fraternity brothers and, uh, all around college thing like that. Uh, got into playing a little bit of beach volleyball, uh, but mostly, uh, just a little bit of, uh, weightlifting, surfing and skating uh, all through college. Then, uh, when I left college, um, I'm an airline pilot as well. So started flying at the airlines, and uh, was mostly just doing a little bit of gym rat stuff and was starting to put on weight and decided to start running. And so that was kind of my foray into uh, endurance sport. Uh, ran um, several 5Ks, a 15K, did my first half marathon and marathon uh, when we lived in Jacksonville uh, previously. And then we moved to the Memphis area and uh, my wife was working at a gym. There was an indoor triathlon there. And there wasn't a whole lot of surfing and skating going on there. So I needed to find something else to occupy my time and decided to give that a go. Uh, did this indoor trial. It was kind of fun. Just a pool, pool swim, run across the gym, hop on an exercise bike, do the bike on that, and then hop on the treadmill. Uh, did that. And I was like, oh, man, this was really cool. I think I like it. I think I want to go to a bike and try a real one. And that was kind of uh, the start of that party. And it's, it's been a pretty heavy triathlon ever since. And you just most recently uh, won Ultraman Florida, right, Jeff? No, no, I did not win. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, uh, so I ended up uh, third overall, but the second yeah. nail. Uh, okay. I actually got beat by uh, Didi Griesbauer uh, for, for the second place overall. Uh, but um, yeah, and, uh, uh, another really strong guy, Stephen Keller, ended up uh, taking the win. But we were all pretty, pretty tight in the end. Uh, right. it, was a, it was a good, good race. And that was my first time doing the Ultraman distance. Nice. Yeah. That's and, no shame. And, and Didi is a pretty, pretty amazing athlete. So she is I take that amazing. as a win right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very amazing. And what year was that? Just for context. Uh, the Ultraman Florida was, uh, in, so in 2019, February of 2019 for okay. uh, anybody who's listening later on down the road, that was, um, literally about two and a half weeks before the COVID pandemic started to blow up. So it was one of, one of the last races that happened before uh, the world kind of shut down. And uh, um, sorry, that was 2020. What year are we in now? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, 2021. Yeah, it was 2020. Sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It was February yeah. of 2020. Jeez. Okay. All right. All right. So yeah, that was 2020. But yeah, so now we're still looking at like a year and a half ago. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
and leading into that, um, had you, you done some Ironmans obviously before you jumped into Ultraman? I did. Um, yeah, so I'm actually, uh, I've always really, really enjoyed racing. So, um, I've actually done upwards of 135 triathlons now. Um, I think I've done, um, 11 full Ironmans, another dozen half Ironmans, but then also uh, everything else is primarily sprints and Olympics. So I really like to race a lot and, um, have varied my focus depending on year, um, between kind of short distance and long distance stuff. But, but um, also successfully qualified for, um, Kona as well as short course nationals and worlds, right? Uh, yep, that's correct. So, um, I've, I've raced in, um, uh, the Ironman world championships, uh, twice in 2014 and 2017. Um, I've raced at uh, half Ironman worlds, um, about a half dozen times starting in Clearwater, Um, and then as recently as, uh, South Africa, um, in 2019, I think that was 18. Um, and then, um, but I've also raced a lot in the ITU world championships, um, and done a lot of, uh, USAT, uh, age group nationals, um, have been able to pull off three age group sprint national championships, um, twice in the 35, 39 age group. And then once, uh, when I was 40, so in the, starting the first year of the 40 to 44, uh, and then that same year, um, I actually got a silver, um, at the IT world championships for the 40 to 44 age group, uh, in Cozumel. Nice. That's awesome. So, so I've no been able to have a little bit of success across pretty much all distances. So yeah. Yeah. You can't go much, uh, much greater dis- range than s- all the way from Olympic and sprint to Ultraman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's it. You spread there. the gamut. Um, yeah, yeah. and so if we haven't painted the picture well enough, you've been a, a very successful triathlete in the sport for a very long time. Um, at a variety of distances and yeah, doing a variety of different things. Eh? Sure. I yeah. Think- yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that's reasonable. Um, you know, and it, it took a while to get to where I felt it took about seven years before I started to actually feel competitive on a more national level. So at that same point, it wasn't like I was racing at the front end early on. It, it, it did take me about seven years, um, of training racing pretty consistently before I started to see that development uh, up to that point. All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that back and say only for the last decade, have you been <laughs> a fairly successful triathlete across all distances? I, I <laughs> will leave out those first seven years where you were building up to that. Um, and then I do think it's important for the context of the topic we're going to get into is that, um, how long have you been working with a coach? Uh, so, <clears throat> um, I started working, uh, with Justin Dare, uh, back in, I believe it was, um, the October, November timeframe of 2012. Okay. And still work with him today. And so he's kind of successfully navigated you through basically the last decade where you've been pretty successful. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, we've had a pretty long-term relationship, which has been good. Nice. And I mean, by the sounds of things with your results and what you're saying that he's done a pretty good job kind of steering you appropriately again for like about 10 years of, of racing and training. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Um, and, okay. and I, I think he's enjoyed it too. Cause I keep throwing different things at him, you know, different distances, different kinds of races. And, um, I did actually quite a bit of bike racing, uh, when I did live in Memphis as well. So throwing in all that kind of, uh, variety of things kept him on his toes for, for how to, uh, attack my training awesome. as well. Yeah, no, I gay dog on his toes. <laughs> <laughs> we like that. I'm sure. Yeah. It's been super fun for him as well. Um, all right. So after Ultraman Florida, COVID kind of hit, uh, what did, what did your pandemic year look like? I know we're obviously still in some sort of form of pandemic, but what did that year look like for you without any racing? Yeah. So it was kind of interesting. Um, I felt a little fortunate in the fact that I, I did have Ultraman Florida. I didn't really, and it being my first one, I did not know how my body was going to 
hold up from that long a day, you know, a, a three day, um, super long stage race format, um, ending with a double marathon. Uh, so I had really not signed up for anything for the remainder of that year. So for 2020, I didn't have any races, so I didn't lose any race entries. That part felt really fortunate. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, a lot of things started to blow up and as, uh, um, races were getting canceled all over and, um, pools were shut down, the ability to go to a gym and train, uh, different things kind of fell apart. I just started coming up with, with different goals that I could do to keep myself motivated, uh, as the year progressed. And so about mid summer, um, I think it was in the July timeframe, uh, maybe along with, you know, half the endurance athletes that were uh, using Zwift at the time, uh, I decided to, uh, look at doing a, um, uh, virtual Everstein, um, and so I ended up completing that. Um, and, um, a weekend later, I actually did a double century, uh, ride outside when I was, uh, up in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, on a work trip and had the weekend free. Um, and all of that was not just for the sake of doing it, but I was training specifically moving forward to a, uh, four day individual time trial that rode 444 miles um, along the Natchez trace, uh, in November. So that was kind of the, the initial get me through the tr summer with some focus and, and some training. Did that race actually happen? It did. Um, oh, cool. the format was really good. Um, it was, if I remember correctly now, I think they only, uh, were open for, uh, 30 athletes. It was the first year they did it. Uh, but with the individual time trial format, uh, they were able to really do good social distancing and, you know, work with the state park to uh, convince them that we were going to, you know, be able to manage it uh, appropriately um, and not not racing as a group. Um, and it actually went really, really well. So it was, a, it was a super fun time. Awesome. So that brings us to like November of the COVID of 2020. Um what happened after that? What was next on your list? Um, so I did end up doing, uh, living here in Florida. Uh, I went to school uh, in Daytona uh, at an aviation university there uh, and decided that uh, I really like doing the, the Challenge Daytona race. Um, so I did go do that. That was a, um, a great race. Had not really done much run training, particularly for it. Um, based off, it was only... Uh, I think two weeks after the, the tour de trace, uh, race. Um, so had not been doing a lot of running, but probably had one of just my best executed half Ironmans that I've done. And in, in probably about the, the previous five or six years, um, and had a great race there. Um, just kind of at, at that point, you know, that the fortunate part being in Florida is, is we were probably one of the first places to start opening races back up. Uh, so I got to do that one. Uh, but there still was not a lot of running races going on. Um, so I ended up doing a, um, just a self 5k, uh, with a good buddy here and, and the end of December, um, ran a, a PR fastest 5k I've run to date. Uh, and after that, we weren't doing a whole lot of cycling, but just kept pushing through, um, a little bit of run training. And I did a, a local, uh, 15k here in Jacksonville, the gate river run, which is a really popular, challenging uh, course, um, huge, huge 15K, um, which did happen and, and uh, was able to run a PR there too. So look to be setting up the, the 2021 season in, in pretty good pretty good shape. Um, had not been doing much swimming really in, in general, um, you know, some, but not a ton, um, and was coming off of good bike performance, summer and then fairly good run performance in kind of the winter. Um, so wasn't like I was just drilling swim, bike, run all winter long. Um, thought it was kind of a, a good way to break it all up. But, uh, um, then the, the next race that I had kind of, uh, set on the schedule was to do the, this, uh, Gulf coast 70.3, uh, in Panama city. And tell and, us a little bit while you're explaining all this, sorry to, to jump on this, um, but just sort of parallel what 
the rest of your life looks like while you're doing this? Because COVID, obviously, you have a pretty unique situation with your job. And so like pre-COVID, your life looked a certain way and you're used to performing and training at a really high level and all of these things, you know, super successful, really able to build from one race to the next, successfully recover from the Ultraman. Like you said, you're seeing good numbers, you're seeing good races, and, and we're talking about the racing and training standpoint, but just parallel that a little bit for some context with um, the listeners to where we're going with all of this some insight to what life looks like for you and what it looked like pre-COVID. Uh, just, just touch on that a little bit. Sure, sure. So um, I fly for uh, FedEx, you know, one of the largest cargo companies uh, in the world. Um, and where, um, you know, a lot of people uh, last year during the pandemic um, had a lot of work at home or slowdown of work hours, um, people not only kept shipping things, but started shipping more and more and more. Um, Amazon, we can't go anywhere. So everyone Amazon happy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the the business at FedEx actually um, picked up significantly during the pandemic. Um, With that um, in every facet of the company, they started trying to look at um, how they can, get more productivity out of everybody. So we started working more as pilots. Um, I think, you know, it it doesn't sound like a ton, but when we look at from January of 2020 until um, say last month, we're working about a day and a half more on average per pilot per month today than we were a year and a half ago. When Then when you think about that, you know, a, a day and a half more per month doesn't sound like a lot, but it adds up over time. Um, and then inside of that, um, not only were we working more days um, where I'd be gone away from home, but we were also um, starting to get a little bit more um, chaotic flight schedules. So uh, where part of the, the gig of, of being a cargo pilot is we have, we're basically uh, shift workers for the most part. We do a lot of flying in the middle of the night, but I used to have a very, very uh, steady schedule where I'd leave home, be gone for maybe a week. And, you know, I might fly from say nine at night till six in the morning, have a chance for a nap in there somewhere and just do that every single day, Monday through Thursday uh, or Monday through Friday. Um, what has happened, especially that started more so in this winter and spring um, is the, the nature of how they had the, the company had to address all the freight volume is adding additional uh, sort times for when they were uh, moving freight through our hubs, which added kind of changing flight schedules. So with that, now my kind of base set of, of sleep time during the day would start to vary a lot throughout the week. So, um, you know, I might be sleeping kind of in the early morning one day, the next day kind of in the afternoon, the next day in the evening, and then, you know, maybe another day in the early morning. Uh, So not a very consistent sleep schedule. And then of course I'd come home, (laughs) you know, and and have, um, five or seven days off at home. And I try to get back onto a normal, sleep schedule at home. Uh, so that was definitely a big disruption that was happening that I don't think I necessarily paid attention to. And you even talk a little bit about there was periods of time where you were awake for 24 hours with just a couple 30 minute naps or even just awake for 24 hours. So, you know, that's something that is pretty unique to your situation as well. Yeah. And and I will say in those, it was kind of always at the end of a trip. So, um, you know, when, when I'm out on a trip and I'm working, safety is obviously the, the biggest concern as a pilot. So I'm always making sure that I'm rested and ready to fly. Um, but so that on the last day of a trip, I might end up flying all night through like a Thursday to a Friday morning, then try to go across the airport and hop on an airplane and, you know, fly to uh, uh, back home uh, to, to get back home with my family. And in that process, you know, if I was up at noon, one day and I kind of fly through the night 
and then don't get home until noon the next day. And maybe I got an hour nap in there somewhere. Yeah, I was definitely going a couple blocks of um, maybe poorly self-imposed, <laughs> not paying attention where, you know, I was kind of throwing myself under the bus from a, a sleep and recovery standpoint. Right. So I think it's like, you know, you'd never done an Ultraman before. And that's a huge, huge event. And then um, maybe then, like you, like you said, right after that is when the pandemic hit. So a lot of things changed without you even realizing it. And, sure. and, and so there's like all these, all these little things that are, are trickling in that we might not notice at the time. So that's, you know, yep. it's good to reflect on that stuff. Well, and early on in the pandemic too, um, all of the changes from, from the work standpoint happened very slowly. It just didn't, the flip, the switch didn't flip overnight. So it was, you know, kind of like, you know, watching your child grow. If you were to not see them for two or three years, you'd come back and just be like, oh my gosh, it's, how did they get so big overnight? But, you know, when you see them every single day, sometimes you have to look back at a picture to realize, oh my gosh, they've changed significantly. And, and you, you know, can miss some of those changes. And that's kind of how it was in our, um, my work life schedule. Right. It just slowly got a little harder and things were changing. And I just don't think that I was noticing maybe the toll that it was taking on me and trying to train at the same time. And your training didn't look totally standard. I would say it looked like you're kind of doing some bigger events and and I mean, not that you weren't, you weren't used to big events, but you had a, a lot going on even during the pandemic year with some Everesting, some 200 mile rides, getting ready for a big race. So you were, you were training pretty seriously while all this was going on, even if it wasn't exactly like swim, bike, run per usual. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it definitely was. Um, and, uh, you know, even on, on this year's agenda, um, you know, I had, I had a pretty good race schedule set up, um, you know, I was originally planning on doing uh, age group nationals in Milwaukee uh, in August. Um, pulled the plug completely on that one. Didn't even bother going. Um, was not in a place to to race mentally or physically. Um, St. George is coming up the 70.3 Worlds uh, next weekend. Um, you know, we can kind of talk about what's happened in the interim. Um, I'm planning on going out there, um, supporting uh, some of my teammates and friends. Um, already have talked with, uh, with Justin about, uh, what the best thing to do, uh, is, and, and most likely at this point, just to make sure we don't dig a hole, we don't need to dig. Um, cause I'm probably not in a place to really perform that well is I'll probably swim bike. And because of the, uh, the heat there in St. George and how actually challenging that course is with the Hills, um, as I'm probably just going to pull out after the, after the uh, bike and uh, leave the run for another day. Let's, let's back up from there though. Let's go. So we're right now we're in the story where we're at is, you know, you're high level athlete, really big training, big, big professional life that starts to slowly trickle and change, but things are still going well to that point. You know, you said you ran a 5k PR, you're riding really strong. Like all of this thing, all of these things are going really well. Let's sort of sure. back up to that point where all of, all of a sudden you say, Oh boy, things aren't exactly the way they should be. Was, you know, was it like, was there like a defining moment that you were like, oh, wow, I feel like I'm in trouble. Now I'm going to also add to this. We're talking about a highly motivated athlete who has done big training and knows what it means to be tired. You've been tired. You've trained through big training. You obviously have a huge work capacity to be able to handle a lot you know, what everybody can handle maybe might be different and what gets them to certain points uh, where they're like, oh, I'm just a little bit tired and I need to push the, through this to get to the other side. Or you're, um, you know, what we really want to touch on today is there was a really defining series of events and moments that you went, this isn't just that. This isn't, you know, I'm just training for a big thing and I need to just ride this out. This, this was like, uh-oh, for the first time ever in a really long, successful career, you're looking at yourself going, I feel like I'm in a little bit of trouble here. And um, like what, I mean, I think listeners would really benefit from hearing what that, what that looked like, what the process was and what exactly were some of the things that you, you noticed that you were like, oh boy, you know? 
Yeah. So um, I, I just said I was training for the Gulf Coast uh, half Ironman there in uh, the middle of May. Um, the last week of April, um, and whether it 100% has anything to do with any of it or it's just coincidence, but I did end up getting my first COVID uh, shot uh, vaccine or vaccine shot and um, didn't have any kind of um, reactions noticeably on that first one, but starting about, uh, I, I think it was about eight to 10 days out, um, all my workouts got really flat and really hard. <laughs> um, just to do anything. Um, and right at that point, I'm maybe, uh, about a week out from Gulf coast. So, um, you know, in my head, I'm just thinking, okay, these are just a couple of bad days, whatever. Uh, and then we kind of rolled into more taper type workouts. So, um, nothing necessarily felt easy, um, uh, or, or felt that much better, but got to Gulf coast and did the race. And I literally, felt flat from the get-go um swim bike run across the board um physically it was one of the most challenging races i've ever done just to keep moving forward um which then over the course of you know four plus hours becomes very mentally trained to to keep driving forward when your body's just telling you stop um this is coming from someone who obviously knows how to push the limit i mean if you're, you know, you're completing Ultramans and qualifying for Kona, it's not like you're like, oh, this just feels a bit hard. I don't, you know, this is, you know, this is like a big, a big warning sign. And, and the reason I keep outlining these things is because I think it's important that we know the difference between, hey, is this in my normal character? Is this normally how I handle tough situations? And for you, the answer is, 100% no. Like this just wasn't normal for you. It wasn't like, oh, you were having a bit of a off race and you felt a bit tired. So you didn't feel like pushing through. I mean, that's just not who you are as an athlete. So I think sure. it's really important to keep saying that to, for people listening to understand these kinds of differences. And if they're ever like looking at themselves or just hearing this story. And, and I mean, I've had bad races before. I've had races that were hard or, you know, like any race, especially when you start getting into, um, uh, halves and fulls. I mean, there's bad moments during any, any given race. Um, but this was, was definitely different. Um, and so we, uh, finished the race. It was, it was all good. Came home, but I was definitely notably more tired. Um, and can I, can I just ask a quick question about the race? Sure. Were there any good moments in the race or was it pretty much flat? Like all day, like you said, you have bad moments in every race, but was there any moments where you had that spark? You know, that looking back, um, other than the finish shoot, you know, I at least <laughs> that was about it, oh, but, yeah, I got I finishing, but I still had that, that, um, elatement and that enjoyment of when you're getting to that final quarter mile and you can hear the announcers calling and you can hear people cheering and you know, the race is over. Um, I pushed as hard as I could that day, but it was still really, it was just way harder in every way I could fathom than it should have been. Um, so, uh, no, there wasn't a whole lot of moments during the race until I got to that finish line, but I still did have that excitement of crossing the finish line, that, that kind of elated feeling. So it's not like, Oh, I just never wanted to travel on again. This sucks. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that kind of feeling. It was just like, wow, that was really hard. And there was a little, you know, in my mind at that point, I think it was just, man, that was a really rough day. That was a really flat race. It sucks to have a bad race on a big race kind of day. Um, but then when we came back um, the following week, um, I think I took maybe three or four days almost completely off. Didn't do a whole lot of anything. Maybe just a little spinning. Um, went out and did a ride that following uh, Saturday with a, with a local group here in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and it didn't take very long. I mean, I was maybe 30 or 40 minutes into, uh, a, this group ride where the, the up-tempo portion is kind of going. And, um, all of a sudden it was, it wasn't even like I was just getting tired and getting fatigued. It was like somebody threw a pier, piano on my back <laughs> and I could barely turn the pedals over. I mean, it was one of those things where if I didn't live 
four miles away, I probably would have ended up having to call my wife to come pick me up. Um, cause I think I, I was limping home on the bike riding, you know, um, you know, maybe a hundred Watts. I mean, it was literally just spinning to get home. Um, I was no longer working out at all. And it, and it hit me really, really fast and really, really hard, um, that my body couldn't produce and my energy went really low. And almost immediately after that, um, I did reach out to Justin and I said, I don't really know what's going on, but I feel really fried right now. I think I need just a couple of weeks um, of just some unstructured work. And I didn't have another race, big race until the fall. So, you know, that would be totally normal anyway um, to go ahead and just back off a couple of weeks. I was just going to say, and now this is actually two full weeks where like basically every workout was crap though. Cause it was yeah. like week before the race, week after the race, like nothing has gone well once. Sure. And we're that's not going to count the true. finishing shoot. Cause that's just adrenaline. That doesn't even count. But, <laughs> all right. Sorry, Marilyn. What were you going to say? I was going to say, was there any other like glaringly, like, were you like, man, I'm so much more sore than I normally am or breathing is more heavy or elevated heart rate or restless sleep or like all of these things that we know are, are markers that can kind of, we keep an eye on. Or is there, was there anything that you were like, man, looking back on that, there was, or was it just that when you went to put pressure on the pedals or you went to go do something, you were just a lot more exhausted. Like, tell us a bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was more like going to, um, either, you know, run or, or, uh, ride like what would be even just my kind of baseline, easy effort or pace, uh, or even kind of my steady Ironman all day kind of decent pressure on the pedals, but you can kind of ride all day was not even remotely close. I mean, it was like 50% of what I was riding before, um, or even running, or I'd be running and all of a sudden literally could not run, just was, was dragged to a walk. Um, and you know, so those were the things that I was noticing in the actual workouts. Um, outside of that, I was definitely starting to notice some, some sleep disruptions, um, outside of the work environment. So even when I was at home, um, I'd be waking up at, um, two in the morning, sometimes, uh, after a normal nights going to bed at, at, you know, maybe nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, wake up at two o'clock, maybe go to the restroom and I'd come back to bed and I'd see three roll by, I'd see four roll by, I'd see five roll by. And, you know, I was awake laying in bed for two or three hours. And then I might fall back to sleep for another hour or two. Um, but it was definitely just having weird, um, weird sleep disruptions show up outside of the work environment as well. Right. God, that's miserable when that you're laying there in bed and you're watching the hours tick over. You're like, yeah, oh, it's awful. Let, me, let me go to sleep. Oh my God. But no, like yep. significant, like night sweats, change in appetite, change in mood, anything like that, that you were experiencing? No, I would. Well, so definitely not so much. Um, uh, there was a point where I definitely, <laughs> I definitely did start to feel some moodiness. Um, and I, I think that all stemmed greatly from just being, just being tired, just being a little bit more exhausted, um, not tired from training, but tired from not sleeping well. Um, and then add on top of that, I mean, you know, um, when we talk about, uh, you know, the way the body handles things, you know, stress is stress. Um, training stress is a very specific one we can kind of quantify. And as coaches, that's what we always are, are, kind of working around specifically and we know you know you get a certain amount of uh, training stress we try to recover from that and we're expecting some kind of performance um uh build to come from that um when it comes to other life stresses uh, you know it's not quite as easy to quantify those things um so whether it's work which i obviously had a lot of extra work stress coming up uh, for some people it could be marital stress could be financial stresses um could be a pandemic, you know, that just kind of upends your whole way of normal life. Uh, for me, it was sleep stress. And the one that, you know, 
we had a huge house project. Uh, we started building a pool. Um, and I don't really think I accounted for how much that, you know, added to my stress level as well. Right. So all I mean, those things kind of piling up. I, and I do think that ultimately the final straw that, that really broke the camel's back and, and threw me into a, a bad um, tailspin was um, when all of the, the sleep disruptions really started throwing on top of everything. And were you noticing that the sleep disruptions on your own, was that like for a while, was that fairly continuous? It wasn't just like, we're not talking one bad night of sleep where you watch the clock. We're talking like a week, two weeks, sporadically over like a month. This is the, a lot of this sleep disruption, right? Yeah. And it probably started with, um, I, I would definitely say it started with maybe one or two a week and you didn't really notice sure. it. And then yeah. all of a sudden it was three or four. And then all of a sudden it was like five nights of crappy sleep in a row. <laughs> um, and just dragging, um, you know, I ended up doing, um, uh, a couple of flying trips that were, I think a little bit more, um, troubling from a sleep point on the road as well. Um, but then I actually had a, um, I believe it was in June, um, the, the second and fourth week of June, um, where I was on a trip, but I was basically kind of on call in a hotel. If I didn't get called that night, I wake up and I was free until the next night. Um, and I did, a, I, I have a travel bike I take with me. I did a fair, lot of, a fair amount of biking that week. Um, nothing really hard or anything, but felt pretty good, um, on those weeks. And I think it was at that point where I'm kind of like, Oh, I'm starting to feel better. And I'd start to kind of maybe push a little more than I should, <laughs> um, you know, during those periods. And then I come back and my sleep at home that in between those two weeks is really rough. Um, we then went on, uh, kind of a July 4th, uh, family vacation for about a week. Um, and in that did some really light training, totally unstructured stuff. Um, don't even remember anything remarkable about it. Uh, but the week that we came back, so I think it was essentially like the second week of July started to get back into training and every workout that I did was super flat. I'd go out and I'd go to run and, you know, go for a, a four mile run and a mile in I'm walking and turn around and coming home. Uh, I'd be like, all right, let's just go for a ride. And I go for a ride with my wife. Um, and she's coming back from an injury actually. So she's not riding super hard at that point. She's just wanting to get outside and, and tool around on her bike. And she's not riding super hard. And I'm sitting on her wheel and she's starting to ride away from me. And I'm looking down and I'm basically riding like 140, 150 watts, trying to go harder. And there's literally nothing there. Um, Which for you normally, getting, like you're, you know, get for, give some sort of context for listeners of what, like normally a hard ride for you. Just tell them like, what, what would your, your threshold be normally? So what 140 Watts compared to. Yeah. So, you know, when I've really been in shape, my threshold's typically around 325 to 340. Um, so, so, I've, so you're going I've easy. Ridden, yeah. yeah. I typically yeah. ride my Ironman, you know, races in the four and a half to five hour range and I'm riding. Right, right anywhere from 220 to 250 and, and for for a really good context for that uh for that tour to trace ride um for almost 24 hours of riding over four days uh i think i averaged um like 237 watts for right. the entire 24 hours of riding uh broke so up you, over four days so you've taken two weeks off or two weeks unstructured you already noticed sort of the issues you say to justin like dude i need to take a couple weeks unstructured i need to get on top of this you take the two weeks unstructured and you think, but you're still training a little bit. It's unstructured. Sure. This is a really common thing. Like people get a little like fried and then they're like, oh, I'll take two weeks unstructured. And they just tick it over and still do a little bit. And you come back and you realize you're riding at, let's say 10% of your capacity and dying. So, so <laughs> we've done that and you're like, oh my gosh. So some, you're like, something's still really not right. Um, sure. 
you know, I think it's important to some sort of summarize that picture because that's a really, that's a common thing. People might hit a wall like that. They're like, Hey, I've, I've really hit like my max capacity and I'm noticing all these things. So I'll just take a couple weeks and that's natural for us type A endurance athletes think, well, I'll just still just do just a little. I mean, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'll just do a little and I'll be all right. And, sure. and, and probably looking back on that, you know, we'll, we'll continue with the story. What you learned was that two, even two weeks is a long time for an endurance athlete to do that. I mean, mentally and emotionally, but what you learned was, you, you know, you started back at it and it was like, oh man, this didn't correct it. So it's like, what's the next step from there? Because the great thing is, is you are on the other side of it. You know, you're on the other side of it now. And so we're going to get to finish the whole story with like the success part of this and like what that looked like. And also I want to include the really cool story of what happened here recently when I saw you this week in Tucson, um, you know, and so like, just sort of touch on like that moment of like, oh man, I've done the normal two weeks unstructured and I'm still no bueno. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so I think Jesse kind of, um, picked up on it, uh, in the end, you know, there on his last comment when he goes, okay, well now you've had two weeks where they're all kind of flat. You took some two weeks off, then you kind of came back and everything was still pretty flat. Like it wasn't, I mean, there were some good moments and um, just enough to where it kind of made me go, okay, I think I'm good, you know? And, and maybe again, I pushed a little too hard, um, not knowing, but it all um, again was kind of sneaky in the way it all came up. Um, and uh, there was a point in there. So um, my wife is also an endurance athlete um, and, you know, she's, been around and supported me all these years of racing. So she knows when, uh, when I'm tired or, um, you know, sometimes if you just have like a post big race funk for a little while and you're just like, a uh, you know, a little unmotivated for, you know, a week or so as you're kind of figuring out new plans and stuff like that. Um, but she was noticing, I think more so on the mood side, she's just like, you're a pain in the butt right now. Like, <laughs> you know, whatever's going on, like you need to figure this out. Uh, and when she was starting to be like, all right, this is, you know, you need to figure out what's going on is uh, I re- actually reached out to Justin. I said, Hey man, you got a time we, we can talk. Like, I don't know what's going on, but let's talk through this. Um, and we had a pretty long conversation. Um, one day we probably talked for almost an hour and a half just through everything that was going on in life. Um, you know, most of it was little things that, that he knew, but I think the the big picture of it was he took away that um, I was pretty fit, physically fried at that point. Um, coming from the the comments, because of that, um, and, and I mean, now this is this is my stress relief too. But now the workouts are becoming really stressful, so it's starting to become really mentally frying to me too. Um, we got to the point where, um, we got to the point where he said, okay, we probably need to really just shut it down. Um, we're not going to put anything on the training calendar at all. Um, but on top of that too, we did decide to go and get some blood work. Um, you know, uh, make sure there wasn't anything unusual going on. Um, years ago, I did have an athlete, uh, that I coached who, um, I would say was having kind of a similar type scenario, um, not responding well to training, not recovering, tried a lot of different, uh, modalities and, and train, uh, changing up their training. Um, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. The baseline started going the wrong way, um, regardless of what she was doing. And, uh, one day I did get that, that kind of, um, terrifying text that said, Hey, I just got back from the doctor and I've got cancer. <laughs> so, you know, you hear that and all of a sudden you start seeing things in yourself where you're, everything's just falling apart you're, and it shouldn't be. So we did go to the doctor, we did get blood work, all that. And, um, really everything was clear. There was nothing that was, um, going wrong with me health wise. Um, so that was also important to rule out at this point, you know? Uh, but once we ruled that out, we just said, Hey, you know, let's just completely take nationals off this, off the, uh, the race schedule. Um, and we'll just keep moving forward from there, you know, um, kind of a talk. We're probably going to take St. John's, 
St. George completely off the table. Um, and getting that, um, it, it's not unusual to take a little time off, um, you know, or a little unstructured, but I mean, it, it was literally shut down. Like literally I did no, no swim, bike, run um, for, um, I think it was upwards of seven weeks that I, I didn't do a single swim, bike, run. Uh, and then I basically did um, make sure my bike still worked before uh, we'll, we'll talk about Tucson in a second, but, you know, went for like an hour ride <laughs> on my bike. And uh, um, I did end up doing like two runs um, on some trips that, that when all of a sudden I just felt ready to go run again. Uh, but outside of that, you know, it was coming to the realization that I wasn't going to be able to just push through and that was not going to get me any better that was not going to get me uh stronger and fitter at that point it was probably just going to continue to dig me a deeper hole that's so hard as endurance athletes because we all just always think i remember when i was chatting with you here you said you know we always just think like oh i'm just being soft like i just need to i just need to push through i just need to like I'm just having a bad day. Like we, we say all these things to ourselves and, and sometimes like we're all experienced enough. And, and like you say, when you are a really good athlete, you know, sometimes we, we learn those points of where we do push through those and, and we're fine. So because we, we learn that along the way, we get so accustomed to that. Then it's like, you know, this really fine line of like, Oh, this, this really is. And what I loved about your story too, Jeff, is that you, when you, after your time off, the moment you realized you were better was so different than the moments you knew you weren't well, because you said, I went for a run and I just felt great. And I really wanted to, and I felt like myself, which was so different than the other runs that you tried where you were like, Oh God, I got a mile out there and I was just dead and I had to walk. So it's like, it was a very clear, like, this isn't a mental thing, or this isn't a, you know, just a, I'm a bit tired from training or something like that. It was like this very clear, like, man, I really want to go for this run. And I feel like myself, you hadn't run in two months or seven weeks and you went for a four mile run and felt completely like yourself. So it's not, it's not even, you know, it's like a completely different thing than seven weeks prior where you still had quite a bit of the conditioning under your belt and you would run a mile and be, I got to walk, like I am just done. So, so I think that's, you know, that's a really important part of this whole story and really cool. And even, you know, what I, what I wanted to talk about a little bit at the end here and is, you know, when you got to Tucson here, you were like, my CTL is 39 and that's probably high. Cause I logged my surfing <laughs> and, yeah. and you know, you, the first time up lemon, you know, you're like, Oh God. And you can talk about that. But then what's I think going to be a really cool thing for people to learn from this story is that by the difference between when you arrived to the difference, when you left in one week, because we panic when we think about seven weeks off, right? We're like, sure. oh my God, I had two, we're talking about two or three weeks, sort of not very much, then seven weeks completely off. An athlete might be like, oh my gosh, if they're looking, listening to this podcast and they're thinking, hey, this sounds a little like me, but I'm way too terrified to take this much time off because then what does it look like on the other side? Is it going to take me a year to get back? Like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't want to do that. So there, you know, we torment ourselves and we're our own worst enemy. So I don't know. I'm sort of doing all the talking, Jesse, sorry. <laughs> but, um, but like, so what is that? It's like this realization of sure you arrive here and day one, it's like, oh my God, going to, you know, mile six feels like a chore at this. And then, you know, tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> You know, I, I think the big thing was, um, I think it was back in maybe early June, um, Justin had talked about setting up a Tucson kind of mini camp for his crew, a bunch of athletes that he coached, um, that we're going to be getting ready for both St. George and, uh, some for Kona, um, and we all pretty much raised our hands said, yeah, that sounds great. Let's, let's all do it. We all enjoy each other's company. Most of us all know each other. Um, and, uh, so we had this on the agenda and, you know, there was kind of this point for me, um, once things started going, going South. And then especially once I took time off, I'm just like, 
all right, maybe I need to just completely cancel this. And uh, there was a point where um, uh, Wendy, my wife, even said, she's like, I think you should go. Even if you don't do any training, just go hang out. You can ride in the car. You can support the guys. You do well in that environment. It'll be good for you mentally just to, to take a break and enjoy it. Um, a little bit later, uh, when I talked to Justin, it was started maybe about two weeks out. Um, and I, I even reset, I said again, like, Hey man, do you think it's really beneficial for me to come, uh, to do a, a training camp in Tucson? And he said, um, basically something to the effect of, um, yeah, it, it'll probably kind of what, like Wendy said, it'll be a good mental break. If you want, you just go out and ride on the river trail and spin around, <laughs> you know, just get outside and, and enjoy some fresh air and, and just get away from stress for a little while. Um, ultimately it ended up being, um, a, a pretty solid training week. Um, I got there on a, on a Friday, um, Friday afternoon and just came home this past Sunday, um, and, uh, trained from Friday afternoon till Saturday, um, flying home on Sunday. And I think I put in about 31 hours, um, you know, over those eight days, uh, those eight days. Yeah. Um, and, um, it was, uh, you know, like you said, it was, it was remarkably well. The other part that was important about the camp going well is that, um, everybody there are very, very high level athletes, including there was another, um, probably one of the top American professional Ironman athletes was with us on the camp. Um, all these guys are extremely, extremely strong and their fitness was tremendously higher than where I was at at the moment. Uh, but Justin was really great at pointing out everywhere when we're doing like, this is their workout. This is all you need to do today. <laughs> and, um, not trying to do any hero workouts or, um, do something that was going to blow me up. Um, I mean, I, I kind of knew where my fitness was at, that I wasn't going to be able to hang with those guys on most of the workouts anyway. Um, but by kind of using it, didn't, we didn't have a single pace or power goal throughout the whole time. It was all just kind of RPE, uh, go by feel. If you ever get tired, there's no reason to, to keep going. You know, you can call it a day on that workout. Um, so it was, uh, it was interesting how the whole week kind of played out. Um, and, and I was actually just uh, texting with, uh, with Justin this morning. Um, but the one thing, um, that, that he said is you seemed really happy the whole time, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and I think that was uh, probably a key takeaway too is, yeah, I'm sure I got some great fitness gains out of having a really big training week, but, um, I was enjoying training again. Which is a drastic difference from where you were seven weeks before that. For sure. Awesome. And, and able to handle that. Yeah. Be able to, handle, to, survive a able big to handle 31 hours of training. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Marilyn, just going back to what you were talking about, watching just how quickly some of the fitness comes back. And, and um, uh, believe me, I understand I have a long way to go to get back to where uh, I was at and, and, I truly, truly believe that will come, but, um, uh, you know, we rode up Mount Lemon, uh, three different days throughout the week. Um, and on the, on the Monday, when we rode up, uh, I rode up to Windy Point, which is only about 14 miles up. And I was within reason going as hard as I could possibly go. And I think I was maybe able to ride 180 Watts, uh, the whole way up. Um, and after the time off and, and everything else, um, you know, I'm, I'm probably uh, close to 15 pounds heavier than I am normally when I'm racing. So the time was not anything spectacular whatsoever, uh, but it ended up being, um, you know, uh, just over 90 minutes um, that I didn't really want to go any farther. And that was as far as Jay wanted me to go anyway. Um, but then when we rode on Wednesday, I was able to ride all the way up to the, the summit of Mount Lemon, which is about 20 and a half miles. Um, and pretty comfortably rode it at, uh, just over 200 Watts, um, riding with, um, another, uh, buddy who's a little bit older that was, uh, on the camp with us as well. 
And then finally on Friday wrote it and we rode all the way up to ski Valley, which is, uh, ends up being, I think what, almost about 27 miles total, um, past the, the lemon summit. Um, uh, and I essentially rode the same power that I was able to ride in Gulf coast back in May. Um, the difference being in May, I was super, super fit, but I don't think very healthy, uh, where now I'm really not very fit, but I actually think I'm pretty healthy. <laughs> so, uh, ultimately I was able to still put out a, a pretty solid effort, um, at the end of all that. So since we're about an hour in, I should probably say the words here that you, you got classically overtrained, not just a little bit of overreaching, not just like oh, you went too hard a little bit. Like you, that was like case in point of you overtrained. And I, I, I think we can all agree. It wasn't from the training. It was from the training combination with your, your life work stress, kind of that whole balance there. And I'm sure that the training was appropriate for, for where like that you could handle in normal times, but that entire puzzle of you like led to you hitting a wall of overtraining that took seven weeks of basically nothing to come out from under. Would you agree with sure. that? Oh, hundred percent. And, um, you know, the hardest part initially when you're taking that break away, you know, cause I kind of, I would say the, the second half of May and even into June, I kind of just waffled back and forth in some training, trying to think that I was back doing okay, not realizing that I was probably in a, a pretty um, deep hole from, a, from an energy standpoint. Right. Um, and the problem was that I was still close enough to being pretty fit that I'd still try to, I think, hit numbers that I thought I should be hitting, you know? Um, so I was telling Marilyn, I had the, the big part about taking a big enough break, not only let my, my body, I think, recover and my energy come back, but it also allowed me to get far enough from being fit that I was able to kind of mentally just reset my fitness level and my baseline in my head. So I was now training appropriately versus holding on to something that, that I was doing three weeks ago or five weeks ago, or, you know, where I think I should be type thing. Right. That, and that mental shift is big, especially, you know, for, for athletes like us that, you know, you have training peaks and you look at your numbers and you know, where you think you should be and you know how that line should be going. And, and you have these like very specific ideas that are correlated to specific paces and numbers for probably everything that you do. So sure. to be able to let go of that is, is really hard. Um, and I think that's obviously really important in order to get better. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I do, um, ultimately believe that like it was, you know, obviously the, the training stimulus added on top of all the other things, um, just became too much. And, and it was the recovery that was really then lacking in the form of sleep, you know, I think diet was okay, but you know, you pick it that I, I was definitely not recovering enough for the training I was doing. And I think it just, you know, like you said, it kind of dug me a hole. Sure. Sure. And so I guess for people out there that are like, man, is this me? We talked a little bit about some of the things that you might've missed, but like now, now, now you're like, kind of like back, right. You feel good. You've had some decent training and you're like, still smiling right now. You look happy. You look like, you know, got like a, a pep in your step, even though you're not moving, I can kind of see that kind of joy in your face again. So you're back. What did you miss that maybe you should have been looking for? Or like, what would you, what would your checklist be like now? If you're talking to someone like now that you've gone through this experience, what, what kind of hindsight can you kind of bring to the table to help other people that like are training hard? So I, I think probably the, the biggest one is, um, and I used to always think I was, I was pretty good about it, but the stresses in my work life were not necessarily the same, but I was good at sometimes adjusting my workouts. Like if I was really tired, um, I'd back things off. Um, maybe part of it is now I'm, you know, I'm not 32, I'm not 37, you know, 
I'm over the hill now. So at 45, um, I probably need to pay attention to those cues a little bit more. If I'm really, really tired, um, I probably need to, you know, whether it's a super easy day or potentially not, you know, not be afraid to take the day off. Um, you know, having a, a coach like I do, it's actually really easy to communicate with and, and, you know, say, Hey man, I'm going to blow this off. How do you want me to adjust the next couple of days? If anything else, and he may say, I just keep it as it is, or he may shuffle a few things around, you know? Um, so I think, um, listening to my body a little bit more, um, I think if you have a spouse or significant other, <laughs> pay attention to their feedback. Sometimes, um, they know your moods and your personalities and everything. And, and they can probably see if, um, there's a long-term kind of shift in your energy level and your, um, you know, just moodiness or snappiness or anything. Um, you know, so using that, um, that feedback from, from the others around you that know you. Um, and then, you know, ultimately that it may or may not be for everybody. Um, but there's a lot of other ways, a lot of other metrics out there. And, um, I never really thought that much about HRV or, um, you know, using a whoop or an aura ring or anything like that. But after doing some stuff with my doctor, blood work all came back good and kind of came up with, there's probably, there's, there's no real other answer to what's going on other than you're probably just fried. <laughs> um, so I was like, well, let me get one of these whoops and, and at least kind of start looking at some of these things and paying attention. The funny thing was the very first week I got it, it came in the mail and I went on a trip where I was flying in the middle of the night. And so far, it's pretty much told me it's just backed up everything that I kind of know, but even more so, like I'd go on these trips and it's my HRV was super low, like in the teens. Um, now, I didn't have a baseline of where I should be because it can be variable for everybody. But um, as I started to come not be on that fly week, um, my where I wasn't working, my HRV came up, my recovery numbers came up my resting heart rate went down. So I'm seeing physical metrics just coming from my body when I'm sleeping at night, that's saying you're in better, you know, you're more well-rested right now. Um, ultimately I have not used anything that the loop has been telling me to adjust my training at this point. Um, cause I, I haven't had it long enough. I mean, I've only had it for, um, about four weeks now. Um, so I don't even, you know, it's kind of like when you first get a power meter, you can't just start training by it immediately. You have to kind of just go ride with it and then see what the numbers are telling you and figure out a baseline for yourself. Um, but I, you know, kind of watching the numbers and things that it's telling me um, and seeing the different HRV numbers, some of the, the tr uh, trends in my um, resting heart rate, things like that, um, I think could be very meaningful um, over the long term if you have, uh, you know, once you've kind of established what your baseline should be. Sure. Sure. Even just validating the thoughts you're having and, and like making it so you're not like, Oh, I shouldn't just push through this. Cause like Marilyn said earlier on, we all kind of think that, but if you're like, Oh, I feel tired. Should I push through? You can actually have like some data that says, well, you don't just feel tired. You are actually tired. So I think that yep. can be beneficial. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing is, uh, you know, we've all had, off days and bad workouts and, uh, one or two bad workouts, not necessarily a, a super red flag. Maybe you want to pay attention, but then if you start having one or two bad workouts a week, and then that starts building into three and four bad workouts a week. And then on top of the workouts going bad, your energy in life, you know, in your normal everyday life, uh, or your mood starts getting worse. Um, all those things coupled together should start to be a little bit of a red flag. Um, and then obviously for me, it got all the way to the point where um, kind of baseline training numbers, um, powers, paces, you know, outputs that I should be able to do fairly easily became super, super hard. Um, so it's kind of just, it is a little bit of a game. I mean, the hard part about, um, you know, maybe a overtraining, um, 
or a, a physical and mental burnout is it's not like a, just a pure physical injury where you got a stress fracture or you had an acute injury and got a crash. Those are really easy. You go to a doctor and you have an MRI or an x-ray and you know, something's broken and a doctor gives you a general, will give you some kind of a, a treatment of care program and say, Hey, we need to get past X, Y, Z. I want to see this good on the x-ray or whatever before you can start back again. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Overtraining is not like that, but, but I think it's you have given all. us, you've given us a lot of good, good things that people can look out for. And I think like the, the mood thing is, is something that is really important. And I think that people don't use like the comments and training peaks enough or like a journal enough. And I think that can be a really good way to just, you know, write down how you're feeling every night. And then if you look back at that and you're like, Oh, I put like a frowny face for seven, seven days in a row on training peaks, or, you know, my, my journal is like negative every day for a week, you know, some things like that can, can be a really good, like really good way to kind of get that, that feedback and make it more concrete and not just like, Oh yeah, I, I feel like I, I felt okay that day, but but yeah, no, I think, I think, yeah, the, the mood you talked about and like all those, those training things and life things are, are really good things that people can kind of like say, Hey, do I check some of these boxes and has it been for like a consistent amount of time? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, maybe the last thing to, to think about is, um, if someone, you know, especially if you have a, a high performing athlete or a highly, highly motivated athlete, um, we, we all sign up for races, um, or you, you may even have something really big, like a, a world championship race or a national championship. If you have something on the agenda, uh, or on the schedule out there in front of you, sometimes it's really hard to let go and just say, either I may not be where I want to be when I get there. Or I need to just completely take that off the table because it's not fitting in what I need to do right now. And that's actually really hard to do as well. Um, if yeah. I mean, as, things as, happen in life, stresses happen that all of a sudden you just, it's not working the way you thought it was. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, this is like a hobby that's for fun for, you know, 99% of us. So it is good for to sure. keep that perspective that, you know, there'll be another race next year and, and yeah, being being strong enough to say, Hey, I don't need to do that. Um, we've been, we've been going for a while now though. So I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. And I feel like you gave us some great insight in, in what people can look out for and kind of how that journey unfolded for you. And I think people can, can, yeah, can take away a lot of insight as far as like what their own journey looks like and, and hopefully kind of avoid getting into that big a hole and, and having to take a full seven weeks off. So yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to share your story with us. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks so much, Jeff. Really cool stuff. I think people learn a lot. Um, yeah, I guess if people have questions, like you're also a coach, or if they have any questions for you on 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 your story, where can they reach you? Yeah, so uh, easiest place is uh, uh, Jeff, just J E F F at midsouthmultisport.com. So all one word, midsouthmultisport. Um, and uh, yeah, feel free to reach out if there's any questions or if somebody's dealing with something or, or, um, you know, I think the other thing is, uh, sometimes just having somebody to, to talk through some scenarios with. Yeah, totally. Just say, Hey, yeah, that, that sounds like, uh, maybe you should back off. It's always good to hear. Um, and I'll put that in the show notes for anyone that wants to check that out and, and get his email there. Um, appreciate it, Justin. Awesome. Well, thank you team. That was a lot of fun. Thanks guys. Super fun. Cheers. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Bye.